Hey, David Mendes here from the Papa PhD headquarters. Just taking a few seconds before the episode to let you know this is a special one. A special one because the guest, my guest this week, is someone who first was a listener, then became an acquaintance on LinkedIn, and then eventually became my mentee, whom I helped transition from her PhD to her current job now in the medical communications domain. The second special news of this show is that Papa PhD is now part of the Podcast 2.0 initiative. What does that mean? It means that now, if you're listening to Papa PhD on a Podcast 2.0 app, such as Fountain, for example, you can contribute value for value to the show. You can boost the show by giving satoshis or sats, which are like micro dust particles of Bitcoin that you can send to the show. If you do, I will share your boost on, on a boostagram on the show. I will give you a shout out and thank you on the next show. So that's it for this week's news. If you're a little bit of a geek like me, this is exciting and I'd really love for you to try it and for me to start giving shoutouts to listeners here on the show. And now for this week's episode. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today I have the great pleasure of having with me someone I've known for a while and someone I've followed uh, in terms of her, uh, of her journey after her PhD. And I'm talking about Anushka Kasnovich. Uh, Anushka oversees scientific communications at as innovation evangelist at Tata Consulting Services Research. In 2021, she graduated with a doctorate from Okayama University, Japan. Her research was in the field of microbiome sciences, where she worked on establishing a link between the community of microbes in our saliva and non-oral diseases. During her PhD abroad in Japan as a MEXT scholar, Anushka picked up conversational Japanese and can now call up the electricity company in Japan to settle the bills on her own. This stint in Japan also allowed her to become more adaptable, prompt at problem-solving and resilient over the past three and a half years. Anushka has a strong urge to learn new things and incorporate them into various projects she takes up along the way. At this moment, she's trying to learn as much as she can about scientific communications, photography, and a little bit of French language. Anushka has a great desire to leverage her scientific experience and personal skills in projects involving scientific communications, intellectual property rights, and science out outreach. Anushka, welcome to Papa PhD. I'm super happy to have you here as a guest and not only as a listener. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. It's, it's such a pleasure. And yeah, it feels so different to be on the other side, <laughs> but, but I'm so happy uh, that I'm here. Me too. And it's, it's normal, but you, there's no, no stress at all. So um, don't worry. Uh, just be, just, let's talk as if this was one of our regular chats. <laughs> um, so Anushka, of course, uh, the, the, the subject today is the power of mentorship when, when, when pivoting in terms of career after a PhD. And we've had a bunch of conversations about this question. And uh, so I'm also super honored that you offered to come and talk about your experience on how these, these conversations and these back and forths with me 
all across the planet, <laughs> the planet, uh, kind of helped you get to where you are today and to a position uh, after your PhD that fulfills that you know checks a, a bunch of boxes in the things you like in the things you're interested in but also in the type of job that you wanted so thank you thank you for being here uh and and for offering to come talk on on the microphone my pleasure it's it's my way of saying thank you <laughs> so yeah <laughs> you're you're very welcome and it's always a pleasure to talk to you so um Can you just so because we've of course we've been talking for a while, and um, but people who are watching or listening don't know the whole story of uh, Anushka and and at the end of her PhD in Japan and the the um, the search that came after that the possibilities that were presenting themselves. Do you wanna do you wanna just start by putting us in that context of uh, you know you were still in Japan finishing up. And and thinking of what was coming next, I would I would first say uh, how I came to know about Papa PhD because I would say that was one of the pivot moments of my last year of PhD in Japan. Uh, I so it was uh, I was in Japan during the pandemic, and um, the already it's very when you are doing PhD um, in a lab where there are very few PhDs or uh, especially when you're an international student, it can get very isolating. So one of the ways I would deal with that is I would uh, go on social media to listen to more stuff, podcasts or videos that I could relate to or that would even help me you know, go through this uh, uh, process uh, and figuring out or like have that support system of how I can make it uh, the best possible way of finishing off this PhD or even like uh, start doing something which will help me six months later. All of that was going on in my mind. Um, so about that time was when, um, if I'm remembering right, most probably it was in uh, 2021 uh, that, or maybe 2020, uh, <laughs> I, I'm losing track now. So, but uh, at some point of my last year, um, I was listening, I was watching some videos um, on PhD Coffee Time. So it's a YouTube channel about uh, where Vera uh, is the host and she she's like she has done her PhD and postdoc and her tips were so useful. Uh, like I could, they were so actionable in the fact that whenever I'm hearing something about that and I'm like, okay, this actually I can... Uh, incorporate in my daily uh, routine or in my work and this might make the process more efficient and that was so very helpful and at some point when I started uh, following her uh, I did that like I covered all the bases right like I I followed her on YouTube or on Instagram everywhere <laughs> uh, and we even started talking and uh, I think one day she had put up her recommendations of podcast that graduate students should listen to and that's where she had uh, listed Papa PhD. And uh, I think the name of your show was uh, one thing uh, that I was like, okay, I, I, I want to listen to. Like, what's what's going on uh, in that uh, conversation uh, in the, on the podcast? That was one curious point, which I started uh, to look into. And But then when I started listening to those episodes, um, they were so relatable. Uh, at every level, like every every guest at your show had gone through those 
you know graduate student struggles uh, and all of them has um, in inferred very differently from from those similar situations but all of them got through uh, and i think that's one of the feeling that uh, was very motivating i would uh, i remember like i would be coming back from my lab very late at night maybe like uh, around uh, sometimes at around 12 or so but i'll always plug in your podcast and i'll uh, come back because it will be like a half an hour uh, cycling or so from my uh, like a uh, university to my apartment and that half an hour was well spent because uh, whenever i'm plugged in i'm relating to those conversation i'm like yeah right like this actually happened yeah something like that so all of that was um uh, very intriguing and very exciting uh, i would say and i think that's where we connected uh, i i had sent out a message to you saying like i i really uh, like your show and how it's relatable and i think it also helped me at that point to connect with new people so i kind of made a point where um every time uh i would find somebody's work or job profile very interesting i'll reach out to them over the linkedin or uh, mostly over linkedin or but if they are available on other social media like instagram or twitter i would also connect with them there and that um and i would say everybody out there should do it if they if they are willing to uh, know more people because 90% of those people have reverted back and uh, that was again very surprising for me because for me it was like i'm a graduate student they are well established professionals uh, why are they responding to me you know those uh, those fears were um, it it got uh, like all of that all of that fear was broken down because uh, because of how kind and how helpful people really are out there and that was an interesting uh, takeaway from your show Thank you so much for saying that because that's that was the objective I had with Papa PhD was first to to share stories that that uh went into different aspects of the graduate students or the postdocs life uh but always connected to their you know career journey choices but I I'm so happy that that you uh mentioned that the, it was kind of company for you in those commutes and that it made you feel good after days that might have been maybe a little bit unnerving um but and also it's it's interesting to me because i i'd never thought of that that the fact that because these people that i bring on the show mostly also it's on linkedin that i reached out to them and that the fact that you heard how how easy it was to have these conversations and how nice and how generous people were with sharing their their stories that motivated you to go on the platform and say you know what i'm going to reach out to people that's if if that if that happens like to a handful of people like my my day you know my mission is is uh, made because one of the super super important things and it's funny today i i had, i just published something on linkedin uh, relating to that the important things of preparing what comes after the phd be it in or out of academia is working on your network and how you do that by having conversations with people who are now outside of your network and so it's really 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 cool that you say that thank you so much so then you had you were in this let's say last year or last months of your phd you were listening to different podcasts you were watching any you were trying to 
to find any content that could help you answer questions. But what was this question? What was the main question that you were needing an answer for and that you didn't have? I think the main question was, um, like, I always had this love for research, but also a part of me by the end of my PhD knew that I don't want to um, always be at the background of research in the in the way that I don't want, I don't see myself sitting all day in the lab um, or even at home because you can uh, do research uh, even on a computer. So doing that uh, day in and day out, um, even though that's very dear to my, like, it's near to my heart, but then that's not something I would only want to do. Like I, I wanted something that uh, would keep me connected to the world of research, but would also help me um, be more creative and be more um, use my use the skills that I enjoy more. So maybe like conversations or uh, you know creative times in the terms of. Uh, creating an image or photo or anything. So all of that uh, was uh, finding a right fit uh, where both of that combines was a task because um, traditionally, at least what I knew, uh, there was no traditional path from PhD which led to something like this. Or I think um, the more uh, important question was what exactly I am moving towards, right? So I knew I was moving out of my uh, PhD and out of this graduate student status, but then I didn't know what, what next I was heading on to. And being a PhD student, uh, uncertainties is is a kind of, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say this word, but then it's kind of trigger uh, that whenever you, you face a kind of uncertainty, you always feel like, um, this is a very difficult phase of your life that you're going into, and it's very scary. Uh, it's it's unnerving at its best. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's what was the question that I was chasing is like, what next am I moving on to? And I had no answer to that <laughs> uh, to begin with. Yeah. And I think you're not alone. Universities uh, tend to have a lot of resources for undergrads you know and and what comes after your undergrad but once you get to grad school not all institutions not all programs uh and and uh, yeah universities have tailored content uh, and time allocated also in the life of the of the graduate student to explore those things so you you kind of get into this this funnel of becoming a professor and that's mainly all you see all the conversations you have are around that and it you know you really need to do some personal work to explore that um now one thing that i imagine and maybe i'm you know maybe i'm i'm wrong but uh the fact that you were uh, in japan a country that you you know you were learning the language can we just spend on one or two minutes about the experience of being a foreign student in a country where the culture is very different, the language is very different. Was there, did you feel that even though um, 
you know you were part you were you were a mixed uh, scholar etc that you were able to get resources there or or was the fact that you were abroad another obstacle to finding i don't know a mentor or or a service that could help you um so first i would start out saying about the mixed scholarship so um i i know a person uh, his name is anirban chakraborty and he is uh he has started like he had started when he i think went uh, to japan a, a few years ago uh, as a master student and then he did his phd and now his postdoc there but he started this mixed uh, student association with few of his friends and it it got to that um, government's recognition level uh, where it's now one of the uh, best place where you can find your resources in and where you can find you know all the all kind of support where which you need when you are moving on moving to a place where uh, language doesn't make sense culture doesn't make sense all of that so it's it's a very um, i would say very important resource and community that you have out there um and all the all the students are involved in that uh, so that makes it very very um, you know like student centric in the sense that they know what we are going through and what we will need in in such and such levels of our uh about course um but then the issue with uh, for me was uh, like if a university has more mixed scholars in in that place these communities will have meetups it will have all uh, you know like all other Uh, arrangements that can be made to have webinars or seminars or all of that um but for me since i was in okayama so okayama uh, i think it's uh, very new uh, for uh, some of our listeners so it's uh, in west uh, west japan which is like um, if you are if you know osaka so i could say it's a uh, 3 and 1/2 hours away from osaka uh, by bus uh, if you are going so it's it's kind of you can say it's a countryside japan so being a countryside japan um the people there are like in in general are very kind but then for them also seeing a foreigner or interacting with a foreigner is a very new thing so that um i would say initially that used to be a very um uh like nervous point for me uh, to go through but then but the, the moment i realized that all of them despite uh, their language differences where all they wanted to do was be kind to you and that was uh, a point which i always kept in my mind uh, because they are trying to help like if you are asking them directions even if they don't know they'll try like they'll go out of their way to even go with you like walk with you until you figure out especially when you are in a place where you are still finding where you belong or like uh, where you can fit in and all of that uh, but then i would the the point that you mentioned about universities right so in our university also most of the resources that were there uh, were for um undergrads or like even i would say till master which is typical yeah so which it's it's typical. the bachelors or masters student who who 
uh, would like who would go to the university career offices to get those guidance and they would have those um, uh, helplines for them but that helpline was also somewhat um, they were trying their best to make up those helplines as bilingual but that didn't match up as much as we would want to for the international students so um, that's that's where i started struggling i would say because i for me also i wanted to get that internal support right like from my university if they have resources that's the best possible way where you can go and uh, get the help because they are around and they are like nearby uh, to approach um but that is one issue and the second one i think was how um how the careers as in um so in japan there is like a job uh, i i'm not sure how do we how do i phrase it in english so like it's a job year so if, if you are supposed if you want to start working from next year april you are supposed to get your applications in by this year may something like that so so you if you are doing that later you are missing out on good opportunities or good companies or um even uh, even like because some positions are very rare right so you might even miss out on those specific positions which match up with all of your skill set and everything so and when you are still figuring out what you want to do uh, being ready to go with that timeline is very difficult because up until uh, like 6 months before i finished my phd i of course didn't know right like what i exactly want to do or which parts i would want to you know fill out my applications in and everything um so that became a challenge and um i think the language will always um, be a factor uh, because there are there are foreign companies in japan which recruit uh, foreigners also um but then their uh, requirements are very specific very technical um uh, and may not be enough as much as the students are there so it will need a lot of um, you to go out your way to learn the language at the professional level uh, for you to get in so that was always i think i'm not sure if it's exactly my mental barrier or the uh, environmental barrier that i was facing but it was i think a combined effect of both of those that that's when for myself i knew that after i finish my phd so as per our scholarship if you are if you want to job search you can actually extend your uh, timeline by 6 months and uh, so you that 6 months is specifically for job search and you are not uh, like if you if you can find something in those 6 months you you of course continue to live there or you have to come back right so you, there's this option of doing that but then for me it was i didn't have that guarantee of what i will happen in that 6 months and because my student uh, like because i graduate so my scholarship ends there so the 6 months i'll have to sustain myself with something with some part time uh, job or something so um those were the difficulties which i didn't think i was you know ready to tackle with all at the same time that job search and sustaining yourself in that uh, 
very costly environment and and that tricky part of not being able to come home for uh, almost two two years because of the pandemic or something so all of that combined just push me towards the fact that it's it's time for me to go into that zone of job search but most probably not in japan um so yeah i think that's that's how uh, all my uh, job search from the last month of phd uh, and the next phase uh, started but it's super interesting because so many of us go abroad and uh, and often you know you don't think about these these problems or these obstacles that might present themselves depending on local culture etc etc and uh, and i think i'm sure uh, you know some people some listeners will appreciate hearing your experience and 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 identifying with it and and uh, allowing themselves to to make the choice that maybe they are afraid of or they 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 might be afraid that it's a tantamount tantamount to failure and no it's not you need to do whatever is aligned with you and and um not force yourself to a situation where you might then break down or burn out etc cetera, etc cetera. so this was this is a lot of emotions a lot of doubt to deal with so those last few months must have been tough uh in in that sense um but then eventually they you know you got to the end of that and uh we were already we had already had some conversations um so let's let's now can you just tell uh, the listeners how long it took from the so the end of your phd you uh coming to coming back to india how long was the search until you got to the position you are today uh do you can you just before we start talking about what happened can you just say more or less how how many months it took to get to this position near about eight months uh, or a little more than that so yeah that was that was most certainly not something i was prepared for i had like a uh so I, i imagine it four to six months yeah <laughs> yeah i remember feeling a sense of urgency on your side but also so now we can now that we're going to talk about what happened you know the, the, you this is not the first position you found there there was some other chapters before that so maybe yeah let's let's uh, go into uh you know you arriving and arriving back in india is a whole thing per se you know because you had been away all that time and it's coming back uh coming back home and getting used again to the routine which must have been which must have been different but you you were already you know we you had reached out to me you had started to ask me some questions um can you talk a little bit about once you got settled you know settled down uh, back in india what were your your main questions and your main action plan let's say right um so i would say i at least took one month uh, to settle back in and that was a choice that i made it was not like uh, i was uh, you know like waiting around for something and just one month went by uh, i by default like i with plan i took that one month off because i knew i i needed that after my phd i think it's a healthy choice see like it was uh, getting accustomed to the environment that i have come back to and it was very it is very different right india and japan if you culture wise a lot of things might 
seem very same uh, under like underneath but on the surface <laughs> the, the people uh, will treat you very differently so that took some time uh, for me to get uh, used to and also because i was living alone uh, for uh, for uh, like three and a half years is a long time uh, so it, it to come back to living with my family and all of that dynamics to get into my head it, it took so some time adjustment yeah right right so i think that's where uh, i also found uh, talking to you helped because you could relate to all of that and um uh you you had that support uh, in the place that i just knew that you were understanding what i'm going through or my points of urgency and all of that like uh, having just somebody who had uh, you know gone through this or at least relates to this kind of uh, helped me uh, find my calm or uh, stay grounded um and but uh, so once i was done with that one month uh, i knew how to start talking to people or like start looking out um like put out the feelers and prepare my linkedin for open to work and all of that uh but then even when i wanted to do that i didn't want uh, it to be you no know, random job ads that you click on to and and you move on to applying 2000 of them and not not going anywhere because you feel like you your application is going somewhere it is <laughs> but then it's going into a pool of applications which everybody is in and um i knew even though if i am doing that on the side i wanted to be it, it the process to be more specific and if i can say scientific <laughs> more focused into what i am doing or at least i i should know whom i am talking to or like what who, what kind of people i would like to talk to and um that's where i think um our discussions uh, kind of started where i i had asked you like how do i approach this uh and what should be uh our game plan or like what what do we do we have any structure to this right because as i think this also is stemming from the fact that uh, i had done research <laughs> uh, because we always want to have you know that um protocol for anything uh, that that set method to do stuffs and um just having that list of things to do or the ways to like the steps to do that is it just gives you a sense of calm and um you you really helped with with me that like uh, sharing those resources which with me with where i could find um i think some of the questions there were about what are your values and uh, what kind of uh, work or skills that you would say uh, you you are proud of or you are strong in or what where do you don't want to see yourself and all of that like it was a very comprehensive list of uh, questions uh, that i had to think about and um i would say it was more <laughs> the process was more spiritual <laughs> in the fact that i really had to dig into the fact that yeah what do i really value or like what what in in my job um these are the things i really don't want and these are the stuffs which would help if I, it's there so that's kind of the question that goes within instead of us that do i fit into that job so most of the time up until that point i think my idea of job search was i see a job job ad and then i match my skills there and if like it's more than 50% is matching that uh, template 
I apply to that job, right? So that was a very um, the traditional way of doing things. And mm -hmm. uh, I would I would say there was uh, this one thing that you had pointed out. So when I told you I'm doing uh, this, uh, you you told me that you want uh, non-traditional careers, but then you are going for it in a very traditional way. Uh, so so do you think this is going to work? So yeah, I think that was uh, <laughs> that was really an eye opener, and that really uh, helped me to reevaluate things and um, get into into that. Uh, setting of non-traditional job search, um, mm -hmm. and I, I think apart from our conversations, I, I was still trying to like watch videos on it uh, about like how how you how you go through this crazy amount of uh, job positions out there, which and like how do you make sense that any of that is matching yours, or if there's a process to it, like I said. So there was one um, book which I really liked, actually. So it it's called uh, Two Hour Job Search. I think there is also a, a video on it somewhere on YouTube, but uh, it's a one hour, <laughs> like I think it's a one and a half hour video. Um, but the book, um, I was listening to it as an audio book when I was going for my evening walks. And mm -hmm. it, it really... Um, puts you in a spot where you should you should really uh, like why why do we have to go for the non traditional job search right because the way that our world is now it's not traditional anymore so the traditional job search used to be this these news clippings or uh, newspaper ads or you you send your uh, biodata to uh, your employer beforehand even if there is no job they'll call you for that Right, so that was the traditional world that had started this job search and everything, and we are still living in that world, even though none of that makes sense now. Like, mm -hmm. if I if I send out my biodata uh, randomly to one newspaper house, <laughs> then they'll be like, I I don't even know. Like, why do I why what do I do with this? This won't even get opened somewhere. So that uh, that was all of that. Like information from our discussions. The resources that you shared and and the information from the audio book, all of that kind of made this very um, holistic approach. I would say, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. to to go into um, like not lose uh, my sanity going through this process because it was non traditional. It, it didn't make sense to anybody other than me uh, around me who were like. There is a job here, like there is a teacher is opening here. Why are you not applying for it? And and I I, I know that's coming from a very uh, very uh, good place. Uh, like they, they care for me, and that's how they are suggesting that. But for me, it was I was continuously telling myself that the way I am going through, even if it's different, it's nothing wrong there. And uh, if it works for me, it works for me. Like it doesn't have to answer any more questions than it it does uh, in the process which is get me a get me a job that i really like so yeah which which you know depending on who's you know on who's listening or who's watching you might be in the position that you need to take the first job that, that right. appears right. and uh, and uh, and then continue that non that atypical search on the side but um, I really, I really like that you say that because I really, there's first, well, like you said, there's so much offer out there that 
sifting through job postings and and doing that kind of shotgun approach of, of applying, 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 applying. Uh, first, like you said, it's lost energy. Uh, so it's, you know, you, you're not focusing your energy in, in uh, an outcome that is going to be uh, the best for you. Um, and like you said today, if especially if you want something that's atypical, maybe if you maybe you want to cre- you want to create a new a new position where you go because you have a new idea on how to do this new thing, then you need to do this introspection first, and then go into the forest having your compass of this is where I want to go. So I'm not even going to look to this side. I'm not even going to look to that side. I'm going to talk with the people who are like close to what I want. Ask them how they got there have conversations uh, uh, around that. And then eventually there could be a direct link from a person to a position, but it can be just uh, by meeting this one, con- conversing with that one, then you, you kind of discover, oh, that's where these people go. And then then you start your job search. Was, that, was this kind of the process for you? Right. Uh, so it talking to people helps in two ways. So I think one of them is to know how, their typical days like suppose you can when i heard somebody's um like profiles on your podcast or uh, or any other phds who were doing non-traditional careers so i would say okay let what i i that's very interesting and and the first thing will be like if that's interesting i would like to do that right and that's how i will i'll take that i'll take that approach of talking to people with that interest that like, tell me about how, how you are functioning in your typical day. Like, what are your motivations? And do you have to be self-motivated for this? Or do you have to have, like, external deadlines for this? Like, what is the, all of that that's helping you, uh, you know, build your brand or, like, build your skills and all of that? So, when I'm talking to people, so, I, I think some, when I told you about how I like... Um, how I like science communication or science illustration and all of that. Um, you you had a list of people I could talk to, and I I did uh, approach all of them, and in in that process I realized that even though I want a very non traditional career, but then I don't want it to start out as freelancing, because I I saw myself that I needed that structure for myself to function my best. And and that's nothing wrong. That's just something I discovered for myself when I just had those conversations, right? And then I realized that, okay, and when you are getting into one position, it doesn't matter, like it doesn't have to ha- be like you are doing one job all day. They'll, they'll come, they, if you are, if you want to add an element to your job profile, there are, there are places where it will be very appreciated that you are going out of the box and adding to that, bringing in more proposals of, uh, you know, we can do this, we can try this out and see if this plays out. And all of that, like your creativity can be appreciated in a lot of roles. And that is where you have, if that, like for me, that was very important, right? Like I wanted to have that kind of working environment for me. And uh, when I was talking to all of these people, uh, like their experiences with the workforce, their experiences working individually, all of that kind of helped me narrow down to the point that hey, these are the things I really don't want to focus on anymore. They are really good. They are really interesting, but most probably they'll not work for me. 
and that elimination of of all of that and having a very you know defined um point of view um where you can just focus all your energy into this even though this may seem very limiting for you to work on but then at some point something like suppose if you are focusing your your uh, view into 1 km radius and if you find something like uh, that works or pays and uh, it's it's not that far off so it may be like in a 1.5 km radius but then that is the nearest if you can go to your uh, point of view then you'll take that up and and that's going to like give you a push into your uh, your circle that you have been focusing on um so yeah i think i think networking and talking to people will will really was like a really a game changer for all the process uh since that i have gone through and i i tell like now every every friend or colleague that i have been talking to and whoever will come up with the fact that like what do you think i should do <laughs> my first uh sentence will be like talk to the people <laughs> like whoever you want to like wherever you want to go just find one person and talk to them they'll revert you back or they won't and they'll at least whenever they revert you back they may just connect you with one another person and then you yes. can just move on to that conversation or that chain of uh, conversations yeah it, precisely i'm so i'm so happy i just want to let you talk because you you're kind of covering all of the the points that i try to 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 put out there every day and uh, and uh, just to kind of recap uh, as of yet it's first forget about the forest of job of job offers out there unless you really need, need to not to get something to pay the next bills and that's fine but then you need to do this work of introspection of what are my values where what how where do i see myself in in a few years uh, and and very important what where do I not see myself what I don't want is a very important realization to have and often if you're just going shotgun you're going to like accept conditions that are actually not aligned with you and then it it won't be a good match and then it can be a frustrating experience and then the conversations the the informational interviews are so 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 important and so enriching and what it feels to me is even more enriching that i imagine or that i say when i talk to people because they for you they kind of helped you sh give a shape give a face to that job you know to that persona of a, of a, of a job that you would like to 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 be in and uh, and that's precious that's like that's priceless uh We've talked a lot, but we can we let's let's keep on talking a little bit because I'd really want to at least cover the the part the practical part of now I've targeted what type of organizations I'd like to work with, and now how you know how do I start those conversations with them? I remember uh, I remember having conversations with you about salary and about when is it okay to start talking about it or when is it you know. In because we're talking about uh, in your case organizations where there's not just one or two interviews, there's like a or at least two, but there's a kind of a, a, a sequence of of events before you get the position, and there's moments, you know, there's moments to talk about some things, other ones you need to be patient. Do you want do you want to talk a little bit about your experience on on that side of 
engaging in conversation with someone who might eventually hire you? So I, I had targeted uh, science communication, medical writing, scientific writing uh, to start with. And um, so uh, there, like you said, uh, so this uh, the position that I am in is not the first uh, first job that I am doing. And so the one prior to that, so I would start with how I got into that because that was the first job that I got out of my PhD. And um, that was a scientific writer at a company called Cactus. Uh, uh, so Cactus is, uh, they are, I, you can say it's an outsourcing company where it's, it supports um, pharma companies, it supports um, academics, uh, all of that to build up their scientific literature. Um, and the work there is very varied. So like I say, like it, it supports, at one end, it's supporting the co-researchers who are in the foundational or exploratory research at the academia level. And then it's also supporting the people who are in a very different mindset of industries. So communication that they were dealing with was very different. So when I started looking for uh, medical writing positions or scientific writing in India, most of the time I would see job openings in Cactus actually. And um, that's when I thought, okay, uh, I already knew that Cactus is doing scientific writing. So then I started looking out for the people who are in the same roles that I'm looking into and are on LinkedIn. And I started like that was a list of people I had approached to. It was not just one uh, person that I had found out and talked about. And all of them uh, helped me first to get the idea of how it was working in Cactus and um, what what job roles that I was looking into, how they looked like according to the information that they had. And some of them went out of their way to also uh, tell me that they have these referrals that goes inside well so if you are putting it like if you are giving them their your uh, uh, cvs they can refer it uh, through their employee ids to the hr or something like that and um, they did that for me and um, i think after a few of those conversations and also me trying to uh, apply for all the sites um, was when uh, i had landed i think the first uh, interview, but but that was also very different from what I started working in. So I had interviewed for two positions in that same company. Uh, so because one team thought that I would be a better fit for the other one, and then I moved to that other one. And uh, so that the position that I was selected for and I got into, even that one was different than the one I started working on when I start got into the company. So when I when I got in, it was about, um, I think, uh, so it's medical communications team that had uh, selected me for the role. Uh, but then when I got in, and I think about, uh, they have like a, they had for me at least one, like 10 days uh, language training uh, for like, just to make sure that we are all on the same page. And just after the 10 days, uh, I was live into projects which I didn't know like what I was getting myself into and that's when I realized and I was um, introduced to my uh, like new team which was in medical informations uh, and that that's the leap that I was telling you about so you can get into this one role and the other team might feel that no this this you know this role or the skill set that you are bringing in it's adding more value to this team and uh, we would want to work that out and 
I would say medical information for me, like my team or the work that I got into was really um, something that was very uh, new uh, in, the, in the terms that we were preparing those documents and all those scientific communications for uh, the healthcare provider. So we will say we have that term for HCPs, right? So that was very um, motivating in the terms that what whatever we are preparing, it's going out in the world and actually making a difference uh, down the line, right? So having that understanding was was so inspiring. But I would again say that this, um, even though this had like I had started with this uh, job and everything, I I still knew that um, I I don't want to give up on the search that I had started uh, about about a role that would better reflect what I was looking into, working on. Based on that introspection that we had talked about in the beginning. Yeah. Right, right. So based on all of, that, all of those values or all of the things that are important to me and all of that. So depending on all of that, for me, always somewhere this, uh, this field of science communication was, was uh, you know, like you have of royalty <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, the view that you have of your dreamland. So that that's always has been there and I think it continues to be that place where um, I, I really think uh, I, I would want to belong to. And that's how I didn't leave that search right there. So that's what you were also saying, right? Like when you, at, at some point, taking up a job that would come up in that, you know, just outside your uh, actual peripheral view might might be a good thing that you are doing. It, it just gives you that grounded that you are not in that urgency anymore that I need a job to keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. And that happens because when you are get, getting into the job search, it's very tormenting at some point and you don't, uh, you don't feel like you can go through that uh, for long. And a lot of things that are also happening around you and within you, which, which makes you question everything. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's where if you are getting something which you think is going to uh, meet your basic needs and is is still helping you learn and upskill, it, it's okay to take that up. And But it doesn't mean that you, don't, you have to, you know, uh, give up on something that you aimed for. It's something that you plus. The thing is, because it's adjacent to that, that central thing that you're looking for, you, you know, with the experience you gain in this a little bit you know, in this this position that's a little bit off target, well, you'll become a better candidate for that other position that comes after. More interesting candidate because now you come with experience because, oh, you've been in this domain. This is really close to what you do. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, you as a candidate, it gives you some uh, basis for presenting yourself to that other position saying, hey, look, uh, I've been, you know, I've, I have this much experience in, in this. Uh, it's really close to what you do. My, you know, my passion is really uh, what you guys are doing. I'd be interested in being there. And it's a totally different conversation. Right, right. Yeah. And um, I think like this, when I had, so when you were talking about uh, those money conversations, right? So I almost did not have (laughs) a negotiating round on the first job. Uh, I, I tried, but then I was very nervous about like this is one thing that's come up right like this is uh, the job <laughs> like this is their their offering and 
if i am asking more and if they revert back or like uh, if if something goes wrong there i don't think i am ready for that so that it's was the, the mindset yeah so that was a mindset that i had on like uh, when i was accepting my first job um but this was totally different when it when i had moved on to like i had kept this uh, search going on and that kind of was um uh, like taking shape and i had those conversations with this uh, companies uh, like tcs research uh, hrs and everybody so this time i was more um, clear about these are my askings or these like this is where i don't want to negotiate like as in like i don't want this to go below my ask and all of that i think wouldn't have been possible if i hadn't been in this in this position of this being, being yeah i think if if this would have come like 4 months before i would have again uh, not accepted the first offer right and i wouldn't have understood what the value of negotiation was or like what it was going to help me with all of that because there is like i have also whenever i am talking with my friends about this who have been who have been a phd student or even my uh, my sister and uh, people around in my network who have done phd's all of them accept to the fact that nobody told us that you are supposed to vouch for yourself and also uh, have that understanding of this is the value of salary that you have to look for like nobody tells you to think about that the only thing that everybody will tell you is you have to get a job <laughs> after your phd or like you have to have a paying position but that pay doesn't have to pay you less than you like deserve or you you value in the market and knowing your value is as a very <laughs> i think it's as a very difficult uh, number to put onto it but then it it really helps when you are doing so you can do all those uh, market research right like you can go up on glassdoor and all of that that helps you get that idea that what the market is actually paying these positions so then you have that idea that okay if i'm asking this amount it's not wrong and it's it's not bad that i am trying to do this but sometimes uh, it also uh, if you're asking more than the amount that's showing up as the average even that's not wrong because the market may be uh, with you know graduates and you are a doctorate or you are like a post graduate so when you are starting out from that you are okay to ask that uh, higher value and there is the even if that doesn't support the market search you, when you are negotiating for yourself when you are vouching for yourself that's your usp that even though i know maybe you are you are giving me this amount because you are thinking that this role is for this amount but you are forgetting what value i am adding to this role uh, by just being uh, you know this this person of full of skill set or uh, or this like degree i have gone through and all of that like all of that has prepared me for this so i would say this this small conversation i will just give an example before concluding this answer so when i was talking with um uh one of the uh, people in this company during my interviews like some stages of interview um they did ask me at some point that it's just a you know a content marketing role right like the, mm-hmm. so the role role in terms of that it's called content marketing but then so then they were like why why would you ask uh you know like why doesn't have to be more than what we are specifying like yeah 
or like more than this uh, market level why do we have to even consider that and i at least so this this having this uh, background research in place that uh, this is what the usual market ask and this is what my ask should be all of that in my head helped me so much in the fact that when i had the conversation with her i was able to tell her that yeah i understand this is a content marketing but the but the team that i am going to join they are looking for person who has scientific communications experience so in in terms of that that person has to have some expertise in science research otherwise it's a, you can literally put put up somebody from content marketing experience and then uh, give them what you are paying but that's not the ask of the team right yeah um and 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 i think that's that vouching for myself or like advocating for myself was uh, it, it took some time to reach up to that point and i wouldn't say i am this confident 24/7 even up until this point but uh, you have to tell yourself that 24/7 <laughs> when you are doing the job search that it's okay that even if you are uh, you know even if you are introvert or even if you are not confident about yourself just try to not show that up when you are trying like having that conversation with the other person that is that is okay like when you are doing that for 5 minutes you can just tell yourself that i am a different person for this 5 minutes <laughs> and if if that helps if that helps you to get through it's okay like if that works uh, in terms of helping you out to get the position that you want to get in i i think that's um, that's more than you can you can try for a day no i think you did really well and uh, what i think is as a phd um you know often you the one of the obstacles we have is that we don't given the way how the the graduate school works you it's easy to come out of the experience not having a clear idea of how much your time and your training is worth it might be you know and and maybe you're you're or almost surely you undervaluate yourself versus what an organization might might and then if you start if you sign that contract at that lower value well that's your starting and then you you go from there and you're stuck at that at that point so i think that introspection again that we talked about and you 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 trying you starting to work on what can what candidate type of candidate you are what are your your uh, assets what are you, what you bring to the table makes that easy that conversation uh much much easier but that that means you need to do the homework you need to know like you said i know your team is looking for this means this what you said means you had done your homework you know, you knew you know you had other information to be based on someone says um on linkedin don't oversell yourself don't undersell yourself simple words but much easier said than done it's it's a it is a tricky it's always a stressful conversation depending on it depends on the person also some persons some people might be very comfortable having this conversation i myself are i'm more on your side of of remembering how tough it was at the in my first job after the phd to understand whether this was a this was enough or not and um but uh if i had you know had to do it now again i i would go that path of who who am i as a candidate why am i what am i bringing to the table what can i in in this sort of conversation show you know show for myself 
uh, not to oversell myself, like the person, uh, the, the viewer was saying, but to to show my value and kind of justify why my ask is this much. I, I, I really, really, um, I think you did a, a great job. And, and also it does make sense that the fact that this was the second position after the, that first one that you felt more confident, it's totally natural. Plus, you're all. It, it also meant that you came to the conversation, have you know, having some experience now in the domain and be actually, uh, you know, in this other previous position. Now, sadly, the time time is we, we've <laughs> right. gone, you know busted the, the 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 usual time for this. We also had these those technical problems in the beginning, but um, I'm so so happy to actually do well to see you to see how happy you are in with with where you are professionally today. Um, it's now I need to go back and, and read those, uh, those emails that we had exchanged at the beginning. Cause, um, uh, I'm anyway, it's, uh, it's funny how you have conversations two, three years before, and then you forget about them. And so I'm super, super grateful that you came here today. And, uh, and I, I'm super grateful that it, for you, you know, that it worked out and that you, that you found what you want and, and, and that you're happy. Anushka, if someone is, um, let's say, at the middle of their PhD, of all these things uh, that we said, so this person is still in the middle, so they still have you know, stuff to do, a thesis to write, what would be the one thing that you would have started, let's say, earlier to do that would have not taken too much of your time, but that would have had you know, compound interests in terms of being useful for your career pivot? When we started having our conversations, I think that was, again towards very uh, later half of my PhD, like it, if it were a midpoint, um, having, uh, so when I had those conversations was when I started working with uh, Useful Science, uh, which was again, your your podcast reference and uh, Marie's uh, um, talking to her and having, having her guidance to getting into science communication uh, as a very, so working with Useful Science was not taxing. It was. It was never the fact that I have to put in more hours than than I can uh, when I was already a graduate student because most of them are also graduate students and they get that idea. But working that, so my experience with useful science has been, I would say, the most important uh, experience that I had, which helped me land the current position that I am in now. Please share what useful science is and what you did there because we didn't mention it before. So useful science is a, a web-based organization. You can say so. We they put up a scientific like a research paper into bite-sized messages. So it's the conversation. We keep the science very intact, but then we make it digestible. So when you come from a non-scientific background, so maybe you are a mother of two. Um, uh, and you are not working into something research related, but you want to know how you can help uh, your children have more healthy environment or have a better cognition, which is supported by science. So you go into uh, Useful Sciences uh, Twitter page or their websites also have the bits and everything. So all of the information there are grouped into these categories. So there is environment, there is um, parenting, and all of that. So you can put, you can select the categories you want to, and you will have those useful, uh, as we say, that uh, useful messages, which you can actually, um, which are might be very actionable in your life. 
and that is the aim of like where i what i learned the most there and which i still vouch for every time i am working on something now is our work as um as the people in science communication is not uh dumbing down the science because a lot of work has gone into it for it to get dumbed down to the level of even making the listeners uh, or the audience if you are telling them that you are not smart enough to uh understand this you are just taking a lot of things away from them instead when you are keeping all of that science intact and this and you are changing the story in a way that they find it more interesting or easy to remember that is your job well done and that's all you can do you 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 don't have to have those barriers of no this is too scientific this is too jargonized and i don't want to introduce that jargons are a thing but you can always have a way of uh, explaining them in the way that they are not so, so scary as they seem on the research papers so what i was saying is when i was working on useful science i had uh, you know i wanted to also see if uh, being a part of podcast is something i would want to do and they gave me that space and support um of you know experimenting with that uh, like i i had a, a conversation with alex garanto he is a part of the podcast team at usual science and he was very open to the fact that yeah if you are interested let's see if we can take up more contributors uh, to our podcast episodes and i had recorded some episodes with them it was a very uh, chill conversation about a research paper that we were discussing you can also find those uh, podcast episodes on uh, usual podcast channels uh, with useful science and you can see those conversations again they do focus on the technicalities of what had been done but our core focus on the say having those podcasts were to get the message across so it is not making you get bored about the fact that okay that's too technical for me to listen to or go through this but all all these experience that uh, like changing the research papers into these summaries and then uh, right bite size uh, summaries and then going to this uh, conversational podcast that kind of gave my uh you can say like my portfolio uh, the diversity that it needed to support itself as and vouch for itself when i was like applying for these positions and specifically my current positions like i think when i started out talking with the team uh, initially who had taken my technical test and everything they told me in a note that they had gone like to the useful science website which was linked on my linkedin profile they had checked the work that i have done and they knew that okay this like she is able to do this right like she has they had their own internal tests also so we have those technical round which they give us assignments and you have to uh, like get through that but before they gave me that they also did that background search on myself because they also have to find that i am a good fit for their team and i'm i'm saying this that this this experience that i had like it was when i was having it i it was not very focused it was just that i wanted some exposure to how science communication works or like how you can really uh, you know how you are supposed to what are the hygiene that you are supposed to maintain when you are a science communicator all of that i learned i would say i learned a big part of it in useful science which 
has has brought me to this and i think it would have helped if i have started that a long time uh, earlier right yeah so i love it that's i love it yeah well I, i'm i'm so happy that you say that because again uh of, of course one of the things that i that i want to say is you did all of that of course i you know i pointed i i was you know anyway i feel <laughs> humbled that you thank me for for all of this you did all the legwork but um but it, it, the thing that kind of comforts me is that it worked you know all, all of this that i it's it can feel like i'm i you know i theorize about and and i talk about you applied you applied them and and you can see the the effects the kind of butterfly effect into what happens today and i agree with you so as a, that this last kind of comment this last kind of tip is start early because the earlier you start the larger the butterfly effect after the more you have portfolio to show and it can be like you uh, taking part in uh, as a volunteer in something that is already out there or it can be you know having a blog you know if you're someone who writes if you're someone who produces some um you know visual or you know artistic whatever scientific artistic content if you start early doing these things that are a little bit off you know outside of the the that graduate school experience the 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 results that you'll reap afterwards are going to exponentially be more and more important i think one one bonus uh, tip would be don't keep what you are creating to yourself i'm sure a lot of graduate students are very creative are having a lot of side hustles that they do but they don't they don't like to put it out there because they just feel like uh, who is going to you know listen to me or who, who am is going I? to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah who am i making this uh, putting this out there and it's very scary i know uh, like it it's very scary at the point that you are being judged by what you are doing but just put it out there because um everybody is on social media uh, so the people who are going to employ you the people so all of them are going to go back to that and see what you have done or like uh, even even if it doesn't have to be a future employer but it it just makes you part of a community which uh, it's it's going to help you in the long run to have those conversations and and start that uh, that process uh, early Anushka, thank you so much. This this has been great. Uh, again, I'm super happy to see your journey. I'm super happy we've had the chance to kind of spend this over an hour looking back yeah. and making sense <laughs> out of all of that. Uh, and and thank you for that because to me this you know it's been like conversations we've had interspersed, you know, from time to time. And uh, and I'm super thankful that you that you uh, offered to come here and kind of. Show them like as a, as a string of pearls, <laughs> you know, one after the <laughs> other, and and, and show how how it makes sense. Uh, I think all of what you said can be very inspiring to a lot of people. You were in a situation uh, in Japan where um, you had th these cultural barriers that were there, and that not not everyone has because some, you know if someone goes to an English speaking country. Well, it's it's very different. Uh, but I think the fact that you had all these difficulties, that you had all these obstacles, um, you, that you were, and that all of us that go to a PhD abroad have that, you were alone. But then there was COVID, so you couldn't travel. I, there was, I remember that it was tough for you at times. <laughs> I remember that. And to yeah. see your smile today and to see how all of this, you know, kind of these pieces, these conversations, meeting these people, uh, how how it all kind of came to where you are today and to to a, a 
um, kind of fulfilled Anushka. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's really, really, uh, it's okay. Actually, it's a present for me. So thank you. <laughs> and, thank uh, you. Thank you, David. Anything that you said in terms of links, I will probably write you so I you get me the links to those episodes, those that content in uh, uh, useful science because I want to put it in the in the show notes. So if you're listening uh, to the the audio to the to the podcast, this will be in the show notes of the podcast, so you can uh, you can see what Anushka is talking about. She's not talking about writing an encyclopedia of science. It's collaborating in a team to do what she was curious about, which was science communication, and to kind of just dip her toe in the pool of science communication, and 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 it brought her to to her to this position today, uh, which which uh, looks like it's exciting and it's challenging uh, in a good way, and it keeps you uh, uh, stimulated intellectually, <laughs> and yeah. So yeah, Anushka, again, thank you so much. It was great having you here on Papa PhD. Thank you, David. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. <laughs>